I'm here today with my good friend. I, I feel like you're just like a, a lifetime friend now. I don't really like calling you like a college friend. Yeah, we're lifetime friends. Like, we're friend friends. friend outside of college, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Lawyer, um, Maya Pascal, you know, our, our good old defender here. And so today we are just, I don't know, chopping it up because um, I haven't seen Maya in a while. Um, and Maya currently is living in Michigan in America, but is a native of, you know, the Canadian, Canadian area. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's that again? Um, Mississauga in Toronto. Um, yeah, yeah. So thanks for coming on the show. You know what? You know what? I think about this a lot, Vanessa. I don't think a lot about the way that you were treated. And I think that, and I honestly think that you were given the love and support that you needed in that time. And I don't know if this has to do with race or not. Um, Everybody's racist. Bunda white folk. <laughs> and you know what? I like soccer. With soccer, I ex- like, that's where I experienced some of my racism because mm-hmm. they would joke, like, I would take my hair out of my, you know, ponytail and they'd be like, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, an afro? Can I touch it? Oh, out. Hey, hey, yeah. like every other girl fixes their hair. Yeah. But when I fixed my hair, it was like a spectacle, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm, I remember, I won't say names. But I know exactly the moment you're gonna. Someone put their hair in a braid, wasn't it? Or court, someone oh, like oh, that, that, was that time. No, like, oh my god, you look like Maya. And I was like, hello, excuse me. No, there was one time I used to wear my hair in these two braids like this mm-hmm. all the time. And I wore it like that almost every single day in practice. And one time, a white girl came to practice. I'm not going to name names, but came to practice with the same braid. And everyone was like, whoa, girl. For context, I love your for context Maya and I were the only black people on the team. So yeah. you could choose anybody on the team we played with for three years. <laughs> and I mean, so there's that. A lot of stuff to do with hair, actually. Because I guess that was like the defining factor. Yeah. One of the coaches, I'm not say who, said to me, Oh Maya, so do you wash your hair every year? How like how do you even wash it? Like what kind of question is that? Or it's the same coach. I mean, this is I un- understand that this is not from blatant racism, more has to do with ignorance. Mm-hmm. But but um for context, I my ex-boyfriend was a white guy. Mm-hmm. And this coach asked me, so do you just not like black guys or what's like why did you only like white guys? Is that like your preference? Like, do you ask uh, all the white girls on the team who only date black guys? Oh, honestly, like no. You asked me that because I'm a black woman with a white man, and that is giving you the whitest man. No offense. And you. <laughs> so, anyways, but yeah, I felt that for a lot of my life, things would happen to me. Mm. I felt that I was bullied or picked out because of my features, mm. and. I didn't think it was an all black people problem. I thought it was just like, this you. is what I, as a black girl is going through. And then later on with this whole black Lives matter movement, people were sharing their experience of microaggressions of all these kinds of things. And I'm like, Oh, so you experienced someone calling you an Oreo too. I didn't know that. I thought that was only me mm-hmm. or you experienced someone calling you whitewash because you were intelligent. I thought that was only me. Yeah. So or you're so, you're so white because you speak good English. I wrote a good one. Yeah, it's like, what do you want? I'm from Canada. What do you want me to speak like? <laughs> it's just, I don't understand. Don't you speak like, like Drake? <laughs> like, 
Drake is also from Canada. If he's not okay, we're not gonna get into that. But he's yeah, not that's not Drake is like. I do love you, but you're not Jamaican. <laughs> um, no, Gary but like. Things. <laughs> but yeah, it's like how do you want me to speak? This is how my parents taught me how to speak, and I'm not gonna change. So I feel like, I just feel like growing up black, the experiences I experienced like really shaped me the same way it shaped don't mean to cut you off but i think it's grown up black and white spaces i think yeah. i think those okay. are those are the experiences do you know what i mean yes uh, of course and um you know i remember i talked to a lot of my friends um because a lot of some of the racism i experienced was when i was playing soccer when i was younger i've talked to my friends now and i've said you know you guys have said racist shit to me like i'm happy that you guys are supporting Black Lives Matter right now, I'm just letting you know, when you were a kid, you would say horrible things to me, and you, and I'm just letting you know. <laughs> yeah. And then they would be like, oh my god, like, I had no idea that that would have that effect. Yeah. So, I think that being a Black girl, it gives you a lot of resilience. And I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. My, I hate that. My, my most, too, that, my that, most that, annoying quality is that I'm strong. And do you know how, like, because no one ever says... <laughs> like i like i get it i'm strong physically i'm strong in a lot of ways but people only remind me that when i'm going through shit and i think that's a, like those are a lot of my experiences it's like you're so strong oh well done for going this it's like instead of minimizing the issues that i have to go through and that was a lot of my college years is people piling shit on me because they just knew i could take it and it's like fair enough i didn't understand it at the time and i'm like do i really have to go through this like do you really yeah. have to treat like and i think like even speaking about coaches, like there were a lot of times that I got a lot of shit on our team that other people didn't because I could take it. Like there's a, like, there was like I, our last year, a hundred percent, like, like, especially me and Cece, because we were the most outspoken at the time. And it was like, okay, these people are drawing the most attention, but then we would be in rooms and everyone would agree with us, but no one would say shit when the coaches were there. And I'm like, don't pat me on the back now. Like when I remember someone, they were, oh my God, Nessa, well done for speaking up. I was like, what do you mean? Well done for speaking up. No one said anything else. It was me against everyone else. Like, what do you mean? But I feel like often though, I think it's kind of like, unfortunately, but this is how it, it's expected of us. That yeah. strong black woman, it's just expected of us. And unfortunately, a lot of the times, our experiences have shaped us to be that way. Mm -hmm. Because if you aren't strong, you wouldn't be standing here today. I would allow all that shit that was said to me as a kid growing up, telling me I'm not supposed to be here, telling me I'm not supposed to be like this. And you know what I mean? Like, if you allow that to affect you, then you wouldn't be strong. So it's an unfortunate, it it can be an unfortunate thing that you have to go through that to be this resilient, but it's just the nature of the beast. Like life is unfair and, you know, we got the short end of the stick. That's okay. <laughs> we got to do... It's not okay, but, like, I'll, I'll, okay. I'll, flip, it, I'll flip it around. I'm going to flip it. <laughs> but, like, do you know what I was thinking of even just before this call? It's, like, when I think about both of our experiences, we have a lot of similar experiences, but we were never really that close of friends in, like, we butt heads a lot. Do you get me? Yeah, we butt heads, but we became closer as years went on. But we butt heads because I think... similar. Yeah, let's say we're similar. We're outspoken. We're very hard-headed, and we're. I think also we're both used to being the only black girls in the room, and yeah. I think that like because I remember the first day because I remember when I was in I was in the training room and I yep. 
Do you know what's mad? It's like I'm, I was so happy. Is, I saw it when when you you don't understand. But like you were happy, but our our initial reaction wasn't attraction to each other. It was almost like standoffish. You you have to feel the other black person in the room out because it's like what type of black are you? Like do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like it's unfortunate yeah. that that has to happen because initially we should have just been there for each other. But coming from different backgrounds, and it's like like even in classes like we did have a lot of classes together and sometimes like depending on the class we would study well together and other times we'd be like okay don't come anywhere near me for this class but it's like sometimes it's just a natural thing but it's like when you're black it's almost like and I hate it because I just feel like I don't felt that we were pitted against each other that's how I feel exactly but I think sometimes we we put it on ourselves at the same time but it's like, it's just annoying that we have to go through all these thoughts when we could just be. Oh, but I took you to Toronto. You got to experience it. Which Lovely. Was, like two or three times. I don't know it's your show, but I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah, let's go, baby. I, I don't know what Ireland's like compared to Toronto, but when you went to where I grew up, you saw that even though it's predominantly white, it's a very multicultural space. Yeah. experience there. In Canada? Yeah. I feel like as a tourist, I didn't really, I don't think I would get what you ever will get in that space but I did see a lot of diversity and I love that like Canada like Toronto to this day is my favorite city like initially it was because of Drake now like like now that is literally my destination I think diversity is amazing to see different people in the one space and it's almost Canada's like you have I don't know if you 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 haven't been to London yet have you like as an adult like like London is almost like a small version of Toronto. But I think Toronto does it a lot better where everyone is there, but everyone has their place. Like even like went to Brampton and I saw a lot more, is she, the, I don't really know what to call them. It's like the more um, Asian descent, but they wear the turbans, you know? No, or sick. Yes. Yes. It's yes. Sick is the proper way to say it, but it's spelled S-I-K-H. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of those in Brampton, and then in Brampton, there's a lot of black and black folks. Um, yes. And then in, in Mississauga, it was a bit more, but like, it's weird as well. A little more white. But you can see where the money is. It's it's weird because as, as it gets more um, affluent, it, it gets a bit whiter. whiter. You know what I mean? But even in there, there are still black people in in. in powerful positions and i think yeah. that's what i liked about canada it's like black people are here but we're not they're not just here just to take a box you know and i feel yeah. like that was the opposite of america because in michigan like we were in what rochester hills auburn hills that's yeah. one of like the most affluent cities in yeah, america yeah. but right beside that is flint michigan and yeah. and it's like even i remember when oh, yeah. exactly and it's like it's so normalized that you would just have these things right and it's like you can literally see the boundaries like when you're in detroit you drive from one part of detroit to the other and straight away you see the fox theater you see like the baseball you see the hockey pitch you see all these things and then you see all the crackheads yeah i think that there's definitely a a larger dichotomy in the united states like i've been here five years now and i've seen it because i right now i live in East Lansing, which is right next to Lansing. And Lansing has a large population of black people. Mm. But as soon as you come from East Lansing to Lansing, you can tell, okay? You can tell because it's, you know, it's more destitute, it's more poor. And it's unfortunate, it's like, why is this the capital? And why why do so many, you know, black people that are in this place? And that's why I'm really happy the way I grew up because I 
my parents, I got to see black successful people. Yeah. I came to the United States and, you know, people were like, oh, how, how come your mom's driving this kind of car? How come, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, uh, actually, this is normal where I come from. Yeah. Like, people being successful is normal. But even in Canada, I would experience people like, whoa, why does your house look like this? Mm-hmm. My house looks like this. Aren't yeah. you black? Like, what is, like, what does that mean? You know what I mean? But the thing is, what I'm really appreciative about my parents is that my parents came from nothing. Yeah. Nothing, okay? And they worked so, so hard. And every, and we, they put us in private schools, even when they couldn't afford it. When we were living in a very small house, they put us in private schools. And every day, my dad would be like, I know you're the only black girl. P- Girls would come up to me and ask me if I was Indian, because they had never seen a black person. Really? I was the first black person they'd ever seen. Wow. So I grew up with those kids and we'd be like looking through the maps of the world. And then I remember this one kid's like, oh my God, Maya. And I'm like, what? They're like, look, Niger. Maya's like, like, I'm like, like, I don't know why it's there. I can't, they're like, you know, where they ask kids, ask you questions like, how come the palms of your hand are white and then you're black? Yeah. Like your kid can't answer these questions. So anyway. I always tell my dad that. He's just like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I was going to say, your dad has no time for that yeah. one. But anyway, that's why I'm happy for how I grew up. Because I got to see that, like, successful black people. Like, a lot of uh, black to you. don't get to see successful black people. Mm-hmm. So it feels like they're stuck. Yeah. You know? And I think, I think that's where the kind of African versus African-American comes from. Because, yeah. like... Africans like the Niger like Nigerians um in particular are the most educated immigrant group in the majority of countries, America being one of them. Um but there's always these this pitting against each other with the African American. And I remember in the dorms one girl was telling me, she was like, Oh my god, where are you from? She was like, I know that you're not American. I'm like, like, how did you know that? She was just like, You just carry yourself different. I'm like, Okay, cool. Me still being extremely like oblivious and very like white in my mentality um i was like what does that mean what do you mean and she was just like i don't know where i'm from she was like i come like my ancestors came from like slaves like she's like they could be from anywhere in the world but she was like you know that your family is from nigeria and like i never thought of it that way and i started i bawled crying because it's like to her it was just another black like another african-american that's died like this was normalized to her and for me i was like (laughs) I'm not used to people dying in the first place, let alone just black people being shot or killed anyhow in America. And I was like, it just made me uncomfortable how she just envied something that I didn't really care for. Because at that time, I didn't know much about my heritage. To me, I was Irish. But I'm not, heritage-wise, I'm not Irish. Culture-wise, I am. Do you know what I mean? And it it just made me understand that, like, I am lucky to know where I come from. Like, a lot of, like, African Americans don't. Whether that makes a difference or not, it just gives you a different sense of belonging. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think that's another reason why African-American culture is so important. And that's why appropriation of that that culture is so hurtful. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I'm lucky to say that, yeah, my, you know, my parents are from Jamaica, Dominica, and I, we have these festivals and these fets and these celebrations. Like I know about that Mm -hmm. history and that we can also sympathize, like people, literally have no idea where they came from because they were just their ancestors were put on boats and yeah. you know their language was stripped from them their religions were stripped from them their identities essentially were stripped from them so african-american culture was literally 
I've rebuilt socially, you know? So it's like, you know, when you see someone appropriate culture or like yeah. even little things like, like streetwear or like yeah. cornrows, cornrows, like that to me, that's a big deal. Cornrows, yeah. I, I, that's a big deal for me. But little things, you know what I'm saying that are, or people now doing their edges, like you don't have edges. You don't okay? need to do that. Like you don't need those to Those are baby hairs. Yeah, those, you don't, mm-hmm. so. Exactly. So like that kind of stuff that makes more of a reason why cultural appropriation is so hurtful because that is so centric to the American culture. It's something I learned when I moved here five years ago and my boyfriend explained to me like, oh, you don't know this? Oh, you don't know about this? And I'm like, no, I'm from Canada. Like, he's like, well, this is like really important here. So, yeah. It's wild. How are you guys dealing with this whole situation? Because like, being Irish and I think being non-American I know you used to get really mad when I say America but I really mean North American um, yeah but um I think a lot of people put America as the benchmark of racism which they kind of earn for themselves um but I have a huge problem with that because it means that if you're not doing what America is doing you are not racist and as we found out there are yeah. levels to racism and fair enough, there are levels, but they all, to me, they're all equal. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And it's like people don't don't give the importance of the mental strain of just system systemic racism. Like they don't care about that. Like, and those things. They don't care because you're not dying. You get yeah, me? no, I understand what you're saying. Um, I mean, so with the whole thing that happened with George Floyd, mm-hmm. right? Um and Ahmed Arbery and all these kinds of, all these other people, uh, Breonna Taylor, you know, it, every, being here when it happens is different. Cause I've been in Canada when it's happened. And yeah. even though it's just four hours away or whatever, it's different when you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think after George Floyd's death, like I, I couldn't focus. I couldn't work. I had like work. I couldn't work. Like I was crying all day. Usually I see it, I see something that happens, but that one hit me different. And I think it hit a lot of people different. Mm. Um, And so that was hard because there's very few people I can talk to about the situation and that can understand. And I think what was for me, like the biggest, one of the biggest, one of the biggest challenges was not seeing the social media support from my friends. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, like, I'm not asking people to be like, hey, I'm not racist, blah, blah, blah. But the same people that were like, oh my God, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant dies, like, this is horrible. Post- everybody was posting about that. Every single buddy was posting about that. Why is it when Kobe Bryant dies, everyone posts about it, but when another black man dies, we don't post about it. And the reason why is because people care when we entertain, when we sing for them, when we dance for them, when we put money in their pockets, that's when they start to care for us. They don't care, they don't have empathy for it. I mean, that's what I saw. And I know a lot of people you know, did stuff behind the scenes and I totally understand that. But when it also comes, then it gets political. You know, we're talking about Trump and blah, 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 blah. And people are saying, you know, I'm not racist just because I vote for Trump. 
You're not I mean, racist. you may not be racist, but you're perpetuating a racist system. I just don't think people understand. You're not going to understand the magnitude of something like that. Like, you're not going to understand the magnitude of something like that unless you are a minority. Oh, yeah. Unless you are, you know, a visible minority, you're not going to understand the magnitude of that. I mean, actually, maybe that's that's a wrong statement to say, but being a visible minority, it helps you understand the magnitude of what a decision like that, you know, how it You understand it instantly until it's, it, you, can, you, can't, you can't comprehend that without having the experience of minorities around you. Like, if, yeah. if the only access you have is to affluent white people, affluent straight white people, you're yeah. never going to get that because that is not your reality. It doesn't yeah. need to be your reality because it's not exposed to you. The only yeah. way things get exposed to you is by you seeing the fear in your like non-white, non-straight friends. That is when you start to understand. Even if you don't understand, you start to question it because yeah. people care so much. Why are these people so upset by one person being in office? And I'm sorry if you don't start to if you don't care that these people are upset, then these aren't your friends. And that's certain. That's something that I've had yeah. to. No, that's definitely like, a, and with that's basically what happened with um, the George Floyd situation. I went off on Snapchat and I called people out, and I was like, "I'm sorry." And if you feel offended by this, then maybe it's because it's directed towards you. And it made me feel like, you know what? These people aren't my real friends. I'm sorry, they're not, because they care more about pushing their agenda or being comfortable. Like I get it, it's uncomfortable to talk about race, but it's so much more uncomfortable to talk about race if you actually experience it. I don't think people understand that. Like I'm really thankful for all my experiences because I, um, for law school, I was in this social justice class, and there's only two black girls, me and another girl, and uh, we're talking about you know, this case we're doing and how, uh, you know, a little boy got shot yeah. in the case, right? And we're saying, you know, who's going to win? Is a police officer going to win? Is a boy going to win? You know, what are the facts in this case? And we learn about how, you know, we learn about how we would go through these things and, and you know, make an estimation of who would likely win. And, you know, she, my professor did a poll and a lot of people said that the case would turn out differently if the boy wasn't black. So first of all, that, the fact that that was, you know, re resonated, cognitively resonated with, you know, a majority white class, that was great. But we have to remember, this is a social justice class, so people here probably already also care about that. Do you know what I realized? Do you know, yeah. I don't know if you remember when we learned this in one of our psychology classes, when one of the professors were talking about psychopaths, I think it was psychopaths or sociopaths, they yeah. understand what it what an emotion feels like, but they can't generate that emotion. Mm -hmm. so when you put out a, a, a when you put out a case like that, and you, mm -hmm. you understand how the world works, so you understand that this kid will not get the same treatment if he's black. But mm -hmm. you can't if you were put in that situation, you wouldn't treat it that way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like if if you told us a sociopath that knows it or a psychopath, one of those, I can't remember, they know that if I do this thing, I will hurt you. They mm -hmm. they know that because they understand feelings. But when they do it, they're not gonna feel hurt because you feel hurt because they're a sociopath and they don't have that level of empathy there. They have that disconnect from your no, there's definitely a disconnect. I think there's definitely a disconnect because it's hard to, it's when you're not exposed, like for example. 
we, we can just, I'm gonna give an example. There's bombing in Gaza recently, okay? No media, nothing. If that bombing happened in London, in France, any other white populated area, we would hear about it. So it's, it's that- Yeah, that church got burned down and, and raised like two million in like three days. It's the inability, I think what, I think what it probably stems from, this like the psychology side coming out of me, is that like on TV, we see a lot of white people, right? So we begin to, we learn to empathize. This is what we're used to. We're not people, it, 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 there's some kind of disconnect. You know what I'm saying? There's some kind of disconnect there. But I think that for me, like I have to just, anybody that doesn't agree that what is happening in America is a pandemic, not COVID, that the way that black men and women are being killed so arbitrarily is not a pandemic. Sorry, I can't have them in my life. Sorry, no. It's extremely hard when those people are close to you because I, I, like, I haven't said, hey, you are out of my life to one person. Yeah. Well, I, I don't, I, I'm not conversating with that person. And the fact that they haven't even reached out to me during this whole thing. No, that was a big deal for me too. Because I'm here. The people know I'm here alone. My family's not here. Know that you don't need, you don't need, I don't need to bring the racism side of it or the political side of it for you to understand that you are my friend and you need to check up on me if something is going wrong. Because if I posted about something else, you would 100% DM me. 100%. You would be there for me 100%. So what is so big about this issue that you cannot see that regardless of where you stand politically, I'm hurting what what like put that aside i am hurting as you what some people are uncomfortable talking about race they like people don't i think it's way past uncomfortability i know but i'm just i'm just saying i'm just saying that's probably where it comes from they're uncomfortable but if you're uncomfortable talking about race with me a good friend of yours who talks you know freely about everything then you're not really my good friend so and you're the same way you talk freely about everything and unfortunately like not unfortunately but like when you're black race comes into almost everything or sorry not when you're black but when you're a a minority race it permeates everything that you do it it really does it's a part it's a part of your being so being a part of my friend is also supporting me in these instances and it really taught me a lot about who's my true friend because the people that reached out to me while i was here while there was literally protesters and a car being burnt down down the street from me. Those are the people that I know I appreciate because those are real friends. Yeah. The people that didn't, I'm sorry, like like your your views are more important than their friendship. Yeah. Even though yeah. views as strong as they are hold zero weight. If you think about it, my opinion is my opinion and that's that. Like yeah. if if you think that what I think is more than our friendship or what you think just is more, or how you feel is more than our friendship, then I'm sorry, there was there was never a good enough foundation there. And there's yeah. a lot of things, because both of us, like, we were really close friends in um, college, but we were both the only non-white girls in our circles. And it's like, there's a lot of things that I've realized that I literally brushed over as more, what's the word, like, curiosity, which some of them were, but a lot of it was 
one, my inability to understand that I am actually black, and two, and other people's inability to accept that. Because if I was a, a if I acted a less Irish and more black, I don't think a lot of people would have, would have accepted me the way they did. Do you know what I mean? I think people just want to put into a box, which you can't. Like, just because someone's black doesn't mean they have to act a certain way, which is what people think because that's what, you know, they're taught yeah. for some reason. I mean, like, do I think every white person's a school shooter? No. <laughs> so why think every black person's a gangster? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah going on like even the black lives matters and and everything going on there is so much to care about in this world and me as a human being i can't fix it all and i think i would would find that very hard to accept and even growing up like i remember when i was in um so what would it be what's primary school over in what's it called again elementary school elementary like what i would have been like in elementary school like i wanted to be like um the equivalent of what, an act, what an activist was, but I didn't know that it was, it was called an activist. Yeah. So for environment, for people, everything. And I think as I grew up, I, I came to the understanding that I can't, I can't change the world the way I actually want to do it, you know? And I yeah. know what everyone says and little steps and this and that. And it's like, there's so much. There's so much going on. And it's like, you really can't put your eggs. Well, I personally can't put my eggs in one barrel because it's like, I really do care for like right now anyway I really do care for the rights of black people like I really have a love for black people just for right now mystery <laughs> it's just a trend guys it's okay it doesn't matter I don't really care um, this is totally performative <laughs> like why would I care um follow me up no I'm kidding um but it's like and then something comes out about poverty in Yemen let's say for example yeah. and, you know it's just I just well, don't this- this is what I do. This is what I do because, um, like, law school is cl- clearly it's uh, you know it's very hard on anyone. I mean, it's probably study about 80, 90 hours a week, like probably around that. Yeah, probably about 80, 90 hours a week. And so it, it's definitely tough. Yeah. I think for what I did was sometimes you have to recognize when to put your phone down, when to put it away, when to stop. Because if I, I'm the type of person that if I read something bad, I want to read 10 to 20 articles on just how bad it was. I want description. I want receipts. I want everything. I need to know everything. Yeah, I will go down the rabbit hole. Like, I, I need to learn everything about it. So I know that about myself. It's not actually a good quality. It's actually kind of a bad quality because, like, I'll be reading something horrible, but, like, I can't stop. <laughs> yeah, I remember, so, like, for, for an exam, you, like, texted me at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning about yeah. something that was, like, drug related but not related to what was it what was the class we had with what's his name psychopharmacology Keith Williams and, psychopharmacology yeah but like you like you had a part of the exam but you went and like made your whole ass exam and you're trying to tell me this like 20 minutes before the exam like my I yeah I'm kind of I like that I have that neurotic behavior yeah. where like you know I know something's bad but I'll just like so so like you know say I'm studying and I hear okay something bad happened yeah. I have to just say you need to study for this right now. Put your phone away, put it down, and I'll hear about it later. So for that, I don't know, what, like eight month span, I did not know what anything is going on. Like, you know, Jonathan would tell me a little bit, oh, Trump's doing this, or this is happening, Kamala Harris, blah, blah, blah. Like I know a little bit, but I just had to like tell myself to put it away. Because if I actually want to have a positive impact on the world, I need to get this done and I need to get it done well. 
So you have to kind of learn. And I think that should be carried over. It doesn't matter if you're studying 89 hours a week, you should still, when there's something that becomes too much for you, or you know it's gonna be hurtful. Like black people don't need to be reading about black people dying all the time. I don't think that's what, that's not news to us. You know what I'm saying? Let other people read that about that. Put your phone down, put it away. Because if you take too much of that in, the world is gonna become such a negative, horrible, toxic place for you. And we don't wanna live like that. That was literally so, the month of June for me. I was just yeah. upset all the time. I woke up angry every single day. And, yeah. like, and then after a while, like I till this day, I still haven't watched that George, George Floyd video. I'm not gonna watch it. I don't. I don't. Or, I don't need to see that. <laughs> whatever, watch that. And even even that um, Netflix series, um, when they see us. Nope, didn't watch it either. I'm not trying to kill. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same wave because everyone's like, "Can't believe you didn't watch it." I'm like, "Why do I need to watch that? I, I don't, I, why do I need to I know deal with that?" Bad. I, I've lived in a yeah. long enough life to know that we get the shorter end of the stick on this one. Yeah. Don't need anyone to put. Yeah the movie for me and it's like it's I don't know it's hard you know because it's like it's almost like then what's the point like sometimes I get to get to a stage where I don't do anything because I'm just like I what difference does it make and it's like I mean I think it take taking little doses because guess what life is also gonna like so for example for me there was a couple things that happened after the death of George Floyd that were racially motivated um you know where my boyfriend works it is a you know, a predominantly white area. And he was just stopping to get some gas and, you know, got called the N-word with a hard R just out the window for no reason, you know? Or like saying like, N-word, get out of here or something like that, right? And this was like a couple weeks after that. And, you know, with like, I would go for a lot of runs and stuff and you could tell people look at you different. Yeah. When something like this is happening, people look at you different. And you either get that kind of, like you know, white sympathy smile. Like, one of those Black Lives Matters, one of them ones. <laughs> or, you know, you kind of get that, like, like, I guess sometimes people don't want to talk or whatever, but you can tell they don't want to, like, look you in the eye. Like, you could, sometimes you can just feel the vibe. And I had this one guy who screamed at me because I had my headphones on and he was biking behind me. And apparently he was, I guess, biking behind me and he, you know, couldn't get around me or something like that. I'm not sure what happened, but he like screamed at me. And I was just like, you kind of become so over, like I became oversensitive. Like I just thought every time someone was mean to me, it was because I was black. Sometimes it's just like, I don't want to live my life in fear. Like for time that I was afraid to go to the grocery store. Okay. And this doesn't only, obviously this doesn't only have to black people. Like when COVID first came out, there was so many reports of like Asian Americans and Asian Canadians being beaten, okay, accosted because somebody is calling it the Wuhan virus. I'm not gonna say who or the, or the China virus. I'm not gonna say who, but you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> okay? So, anyways, he's perpetuating this stuff. But I think, like, oh gosh, where was I now? But I think, I think, like, and oh, so then one day I go for a run and I run by this house every single day and I look down and on their uh, fence, they have a, every single black person who has been killed by the police on their fence. They have the name of every single one, every single one. And then it ends with like black lives matter. It was like, like after weeks of just feeling so like 
afraid to run because someone was literally killed for running the other day. Yeah. To see that was just like, the, like so like it was elating. It was like a euphoria. It's like, wow, like, oh my gosh. And that's why it's so important that my friends or if they're supposed to be my friends, come in solidarity with me when something happens because it, it's so easy to feel alone in white spaces. It's so easy to feel alone. So when I saw that, I literally was just like, wow, I feel comfortable running here. Okay. Then a couple days later, I'm running up this, this, um, this street, also predominantly white neighborhood. And I see black lives matter signs on the front yards. Yeah. And I see, um, signs saying, you know, we don't care what language you speak. Everybody's welcome in this neighborhood. And I see that sporadically. So that, so when I see that, I run to that side of the street because I know I'm, I'm going to be protected here. <laughs> I run to your you know? so, <laughs> so like those are the little things that matter so much. And I know, I feel like that would matter to you so much. 100%. Like that would just be like, 100%. you know? Like, it's like, I mean, in Ireland, like, I'm not gonna lie, these men don't really, they don't come with the same energy. Um, but sometimes I wish they would. Like, I, let me let me know what you actually feel. Do you know what I mean? Um, a lot of things here are very, the micro is very, the micro is crazy in that microaggression. Um, mm-hmm. And in Ireland, we, we struggled with explaining to white people that just because you were also oppressed back in the day doesn't mean that you cannot be the oppressor right now. Um, and explaining yeah, especially to especially with Ireland, Ireland yeah. You know I mean, like, just because just because y'all ain't killing us doesn't mean that it's not bad. And it's almost like so many people, white males, saying, "I've never seen racism in Ireland, so it doesn't exist." <laughs> First of all, who like are you? The governor of racism? Like, do we report to you? Like, do you have the helpline for racism? And it's like. You can't help us. Like we would have have heard white males say, Oh no, that's not a racist area. No, that's not racist. Honestly, and like white privilege doesn't and it's like I personally have gotten very tired and having to explain this. And it's like I kind of took it on myself at a point because it's like what I used to feel was um a deficit. Like I like I've explained myself a lot of the time as being in the middle and like and I feel this way as being black and a female. Um when it comes to being just in the genders um, or sexes, um, when it comes to male and female, I find myself a lot of the time in the middle or very much with males. Do you know what I mean? When it's come to being around black and white, like I've, I've found myself very much in the middle or being, or just getting closer to white people. And it felt very uncomfortable for me because everyone is saying their experiences and it's like, I've not experienced half of these things and it's almost like a checklist to be black. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, and I'm like, what's so special about me that I haven't experienced these things? And I was like, that's such a, that's such a terrible way to look at life. And it's like, like, obviously like, it's great that I haven't experienced these things, but it was almost feeling like I was disconnected from my people once again. And this is how I felt all my life anyway. And it's like, yeah. it just felt like. That's where I think we connected. Cause I thought that way too. Yeah. A hundred percent. But it's like, with, with like the, the Black Lives Matter and it's like, I kept feeling like a fraud when I was speaking about these things because it's like, I understand it, but a lot of these things are personal to me. Do you know, yeah. like, I grew up in a very, like, a very accommodating town. And I think because my family was a, was very involved in sports, we broke a lot of those barriers. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I've had a lot of, like, 
white influences in my life and being in Ireland. And it's like, when I'm hearing all these people who literally live right next door, people who literally lived and grew up in the same town as me having these experiences, I'm like, that's not where I grew up. So I don't really understand where this is coming from. And it's like, I had to flip that and be like, look, okay, I am in the middle and I have a lot of white friends and I do struggle in black spaces sometimes. But at the same time, because I have those black friends, I have a duty because a lot of these people may not hear it from anyone else. And it's like, as much as we don't like to admit it, there's white people only kind of listen to certain black people. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like Barack Obama and Dr. Umar. They could say, they could both say the exact same things and white people will never get what Dr. Umar is saying because of the type of black person he is. Do you know what I mean? And it's like- I mean, I think I know what you're saying. I think I know what you're saying, but there's like, it's, t- it's definitely tough. Like that's something I learned, I learned this year. I learned that just because I'm a black woman doesn't mean I have the same experiences as other black women. And I mean, you said sports for you, so that makes a lot of sense. And for me, I'm, I was, like I said, I'm really fortunate that my parents could provide a lot for us. But I know that I was treated differently because of that. It's like, yeah. well, not, or they'd be like, but you guys are like the Cosby's. Like, that's what they don't do. But you're not like other black people, right? You guys are more like the Cosby's or like things like that. So you start to, there's actually a divide within the black community of what is characterized of who's black enough, who's not black enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is going to be so stupid, but there's a line Earl Sweatshirt says where it's like too black for the white kids or too white. that, That stuff. That was my mantra as a kid. That was literally how I felt. So, and it, it's it's so tough growing up like that because you just feel like so in the middle and like you're not, yeah, you're not doing a good job. You're not like you're not you know good enough or whatever it is. But the thing is, like, I don't really care if I don't matter to them. I mean, I already knew that, <laughs> you know. So I, I think yeah, I I think what is important is a collective showing when we come together, when we protest, when we do those things, we have seen some kind of change. And I know that it's gonna take a very, very long time until people will have to pay for the things that they say and the things that they do towards black people. Um, it's gonna take a very long time. And it's gonna, it's because it's, it's generational wealth, it's generational power that we don't have. Those opportunities were taken from us. We weren't allowed to uh, apply for social security. We weren't allowed to do these kinds of things, to build up. And when we, and when we had that power, they took it away from us, okay? okay? So, like we keep seeing in every year, not even year, every couple of months, we see that regardless of the limited resources that black people have, we will come out on top. And I don't, like, I don't, like, I hate when people are like, oh, we scared them. First of all, do they even care? But, like, someone somewhere, do you know what I mean? Like, okay, cool, black people are doing this, I, whatever. Like, but somewhere, someone somewhere hates it. Because, like, someone somewhere is scared because, I'm sorry, the amount of black people that thrive in situations that we, like, that we should, like, we should not be, we should not exist. If you look at what is, constantly been happening to us for for hundreds of years we should literally be extinct Mm -hmm. and it's crazy and someone out there hates that i don't know who i don't know conspiracies i don't know there's a lot of people out there i hate that i mean one one white warlord somewhere there's just the 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 night king that's just oh darn it all these 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 n-words no there are people like that i know there are people like that for sure um but i just think i just think Yes, it's definitely hard to be positive 
in this kind of situation, in these kinds of situations, but I've just learned, I just, you know, my favorite thing to do is just to like, like, you know, when you are confronted with racism, and I know this is going to sound so bad, but like when you're confronted with racism, sometimes it's, sometimes it's kind of just best to just like, if it's not good for you to respond, then just don't respond. You don't have to, it's not your job. It's not your job. Like I remember, this is like my first year I was in the United States and I was in Walmart and this man, like he was in a wheelchair and his, he's an elderly wife and they were both elderly and they were trying to reach on the top for like a cereal box or something. And on the very, very top shelf. And I saw them, so I climbed, literally climbed the shelves and I grabbed a cereal box and I gave it to him. And the wife was like, oh, thank you so much. And then he goes to me, oh, are you gonna shine my shoes next? And I was just like, so taken aback. I didn't say anything, I walked away. I didn't tell my I didn't tell my white friends about it because I thought that they wouldn't understand. And I remember, I also told that story in class, we were talking about it. And someone was like, that's not racist. And I'm like, Okay, you think about that. Everybody class is like, whoa, 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 Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. <laughs> Are you sure about that? <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, just. <laughs> no, and there's other experiences too. Like when somebody came into my class, this is like honors college. So this is supposed to be the smartest of the smartest people. And the guy came in and was like, segregated basketball teams. That's, we need to talk about segregated. We need segregated basketball teams. He's like, it's not racist because black people have an extra bone in their foot. And they have better twitch muscle. I even said that I have an extra muscle in my calf. I was like, I, I must have pulled it. <laughs> I don't know where that is. So, so even when you're successful as a black person, there's there's some kind of why. Yeah, outward reason that, you know, that makes you. And it, I remember saying to this guy, I said, okay, so black people have a fast, better twitch muscle. I said, do you want to know why? It's because we were literally selected based on our height, our ability to um, be strong and carry things. And so you're literally selecting for the most athletic slaves and breeding those slaves to be continue to create athletic babies. So yes, black people are gonna be athletic. So are you gonna now punish us for something that your ancestors did? Does it make any sense? <laughs> Burna Boy said, we are the monsters you made. You you can't you can't be you can't be fam. You have to listen to Burner Boy. Like I like is John. I'm just like <laughs> I don't listen. You know, like the audacity to. I know. I remember. I was literally just like I was seething, and of course I'm the only black person in the room, and I'm just like, fuck. How many more times have to be put in a situation like this? Do you know? The, I mean, you know the biggest one of the biggest things that hit me is how understood racism in, in America because the biggest thing that, that got me was the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. Oh my god. You were definitely in one of, at least one of my, that comes up in nearly every social type, social like psychology yeah. class. Like yeah. it always comes up. Do you know how we didn't question that? We just ex- oh cool, the CDC the governing body of health yeah. in the United States till this day who I most likely would like to work for did these things about 40 years ago. You should say what the Tuskegee experiment is for people who don't know. The Tuskegee experiment, if I forget, Maya's gonna rem- remember me, remind me. Okay, so essentially syphilis in, I forget, was it like 19, 
I don't know. Some, I don't know. Basically, they had the cure for syphilis. Okay. So, so. Maya, am I going to tell the story? Or are you going to tell the story? <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> Essentially, no. In, in, initially, they did not have the, the, um, the cure for syphilis. So they wanted to test out syphilis and see what it actually does to the body. They wanted to understand the like epidemiology of it and just the whole progression of the disease itself. Um, so where did they go? Obviously, poor, uneducated black folk. Um, they offered them medical health and um, funeral cost treatment for them and their family and whoever was to get syphilis because obviously it's a sexually transmitted disease if you are in a family and um, you most likely are transmitting that to your wife and she's having babies who are obviously at risk of um, so then after, so it, was, it was meant to last I think six months six to twelve months the initial um, the initial um, study but then yeah. after after about was it a certain amount of years anyway two or three years into it and um, they had the cure for syphilis which is just penicillin um but this study ended up lasting 30 years because these people were uneducated so they didn't know that this information was out there two they didn't provide them with this information three to these people they're still like if you think about america if you don't have insurance you don't have anything so now a study of people are coming to tell you that you have now free medical insurance not knowing that they're they're taking care of the disease that they put like that they're watching you like yeah. live through um so to them they they seemed like they they'd want it because obviously if you're in a poor area and your family has a disease that's essentially going to kill them you can't afford to to bury them so yeah. funeral costs being covered so that's death taken care of medical cost life taken care of so these people thought they could bank 30 years later found out that actually syphilis had been cured years ago um and this is literally in any social psychology book which is why it's so bad that they're trying to test in africa for the covid vaccine 100%. and like ireland is huge on pharmaceuticals and one of the one, one of the pharmaceutical countries countries companies pfizer is literally based in ireland and like they're like they had a lot to do with I might be getting my history wrong right now. Pfizer's based in Ireland? Yeah. Like, Ireland is huge. Wow, you guys are big pharma. <laughs> 100%. Because our laws, like, we, um, big companies don't get taxed. So, like, even, like, I think, like, Apple or Google, one of them only paid, like, 50 euro worth in taxes all of last year. Yeah, there was uproar. Um, I paid more than these people. Am I? One? Anyway. Um, so, like, in Nigeria, um, I, think, I think it might have been smallpox, but I think Pfizer brought smallpox to Nigeria and just made it worse because um, they were testing people and giving them things and it's like even in public health and a lot of this COVID thing is, had made, has made me understand that I don't really enjoy my what I wanted to do because that is what public health is and you have the way you, you look at people essentially as numbers sometimes because it's public health is population health if you take yeah. every individual into consideration you're not going to get anywhere um, and yeah. a lot of these things make sense um, when it comes to the health of the population like herd immunity even though potentially heard of you know with covid but anyway um you're looking at numbers not people and it's like looking at things like this that's where systemic racism comes into because the numbers of these people is always is always against the minority it's always against the poor people because they will always be more at risk for it so then the argument for doing these tests on them is that they're at risk they can't afford it but that is not true. That is that is what is built into our minds. It's built into my, our minds that the United States, the UK, Italy, and what other country? I think it was Germany can have way more numbers than Africa. And mm -hmm. now 
you have the audacity to go test in Africa because oh, Africa doesn't have all of these things, but you would rather kill our people than testing. Colonizers! You would rather kill our people than testing on your own when the numbers clearly state that you have more. I know. But the guy, the, whoever the representative was in France said some, some bullshit like that. And I was just like, come on, come on now. They're not believing it anymore. They don't There's no, they're not. They're, they're not, they're not trying to. And I mean, I don't know. You're used to them. Jeez. Uh, you know what? It, it's so crazy because it's so, I love that. So, not I don't love this, but I love that I have so many, you know, African friends and I love talking to them about how people think that Africa is some destitute place with poor people all around and all this stuff. It's like, no, Africa is actually a gold mine. And um, if it weren't for colonization, it would probably be on top. Honestly. But the, they don't want to talk about that. The, the Chinese have gone in and, and done their thing in there as well. And it's like, it's, it's just, we're just, just one, one after the other, just coming in and just taking, taking everything. And it's like, even once again, Burna Boy, um, in, in, in his um, album, he always, he always has like speeches from people in Africa. And literally he's like, for over 500 years, you people have come here and you've taken and you've taken and taken. And out of this, we've gotten nothing from it. Like, is it not enough? Like, what else do you want from us? Like yeah. you continuously keep taking from that country. And then you have the audacity to, to talk down on these people. Yeah. Literally two days ago, a thousand immigrants were fleeing a war-torn country and got mm. all of them got put in a life in lifeboats and dumped in greece outside of greece because they, they did not want immigrants in their country there's no there's no news outlet has said anything about these this where are the immigrants from um i can't remember i think it might have been it one is syria is one of those places or somewhere else in wow. in Africa. like and mm. it's just like you do these things to these countries where did you expect them to go mm. and they're like oh we don't want any immigrants like these immigrants are fleeing what you have done and it's like they're the same people same people who want to say all lives matter what about these lives like what do you what do you mean i mean yeah i know i know did no, you watch that video of that guy who 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 stood in like one of the most racist uh I, I saw like the first two things and I was like, um, thank you. Thank you for your work. Uh, I mean, okay. Um, it wasn't funny, but like, it was just like some of these people that's just, they were saying was like, I have black friends and black lives don't matter. And some people would drive by like, you're white. Aren't you white? <laughs> like yelling at him. Like, well, how could you be a white guy saying this? So, but then, I don't know. Those are, like, I hate the fact that we need white people on our side. But even once we need again, them, of course. Once again, in psychology, it's almost like like I forget in once again social psychology. I forget what it like. I forget all these terms, but I remember them. It's it's how it was kind of like groupthink. So you're in a group, right? And you need to make a decision. There's always going to be a minority and the majority. The only yeah. majority can become the minority is if some of the of the majority start thinking like the minority. Yeah. But it, but it doesn't work downwards, it works upwards. The minority mm -hmm. has to convince the people in the majority to think like them, and then the majority need to infiltrate the majority. So mm -hmm. we need to go up there to explain to you, to you to explain to you now. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like, it's like, I'm so thankful for people like Jimmy and Ali Rawson, um, and it's like, like and even, even Annie as well. That's, man. This guy was a dashiki from day one. And it's like, <laughs> it's like even 
to to some to, at some level jimmy was the minority in our friend groups like in in college it was just he was he was around all black people and i think even even the the summer that i spent in his like he grew up in in charleston like a like very only white not charleston was it clark clarkson Clarkson. did i say charleston oh my damn but i remember we what we went into coney island or something with him and like he was just like why is everyone looking at us he's like i've lived here all my life and no one's looked at us and i'm like Hey, it's me, Nasser. I know. Well, yeah, that's, I, that's what I experienced too with my ex because he lived in like, you know, you know the kind of area he lived. And it was like Confederate flags everywhere. Everywhere I'd go, people would be staring at me like, you know, it's a, like, I, I actually feel bad that for people that are in um, interracial relationships now, because I like, I know what that's like for people to just like stare at you yeah. and like hate on you. The fact that you're in an interracial relationship, like I'm kind of happy that I'm in, you know, a same Black you know, love. because I think like I wouldn't be able to handle that. Like, you know, people's families don't want to mix. Yeah, you know, it's in the way they get stared at a store. I don't, you know, they they get stared at. Like even even being being black is hard enough with all the tribalism. Like I'm um, yeah. like, and then you have to be white, and then nah, bro, that's just yeah. wrong. I mean, yeah. if God wants me that to, cannot be easy. that cannot be easy. Honestly, it's just black people hate you, white people hate you. Exactly. What are you gonna do? <laughs> just die. That's what they want you to do. Die, and that that'll solve everything, man. <laughs> die, but make mixed babies. <laughs> just the mixed babies. That's all we want because they're cute, you know. Fetish. Mm-hmm. Um. That's so funny. I've I've dated Jonathan for almost three times the amount I've dated my ex, and not once has anyone said, "Oh my God, I'm so excited to see your babies." Yeah. One of my ex every single day. That's all it's, it's like, you want my baby? I'm gonna have a nice black, dark skin baby. Black, okay. Black, black. <laughs> yeah. No, man. Oh, we've been on this a while. I think I'm. Yeah. I think that's. I think this is a good place to end. We've had a nice, a nice discussion. Um. It's just it's wild. Um, I don't I don't like to admit a lot of these things because I mean, one thing I've always said in my life is that ignorance is bliss, and I'm I've always been very envious of those people who have never gotten to live, um, anything. Um, and I mean, it's an easy way, it's an easy cop out. But yo, look, like they're not sad. Like they're living their life. They have all their white privilege and stuff. Um, but at the same time, like sometimes it's a privilege to know these things. Um. Like, I just feel like as human, it's it's our it's important to look out for other people, um, yeah. people like you, um, and I think sometimes people see that as black people's flaws that we're too caring about other people and we're too forgiving, um, yeah. but I mean, as a Christian, there's 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 no other way that I can be, um, and sometimes I find it very hard, especially in these times, um, when I just want to be angry, and it's like it's not like when I was younger, like, even in college years, like, anger came a lot easier to me, and now mm-hmm. it's just not there, um, thank, thankfully to God, but sometimes I feel like anger is the only appropriate response, do you know what I mean, and when I can't, I don't generate anger as easily um, anymore, so because of that, I just feel hopeless, and it's like, it's, it's, I feel like it's easier, it's easier to deal, I'm getting mad deep, it's, it's very, like, it's easier to, it's easier to generate anger, or it's de- easier to handle anger than it is to deal with hopelessness. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think you should be hopeless. Bro, what am I gonna do? Like, I can't change the world. You can't change the world, so just, you know, do what you can. You no, know, put it on yourself. Don't, it's not your job to change the world. 
Okay, that's not your job. It is. Absolutely. Okay, your job is to control life. I'm definitely, I'm definitely getting out of that mindset. Don't sure. take on too much. It's not your job. If you take on too much, you are never going to be happy. You're not going to help anyone. And I think that's what I'm even learning, even with this podcast. And it's like, I don't feel like, I feel like there's people here and there who will get mm-hmm. the message. And if I can just like, even the fact that Jimmy texted me and I, I, he's probably going to hate that I've used his name so many times in this, but Jimmy like, from Clarkson, guys, he's yeah. single. <laughs> Big ups to Jimmy. But like, <laughs> even people like that like to have someone like that to feel yeah. to know that i impacted their life so much that they would Al is my person like that and it's like like i don't i don't mm-hmm. want him to feel guilty and i don't ever want him to put the the guilt of his ancestors on him himself but the fact that he will feel this way unprovoked by me like i did not like do you know like there's a lot of your friends that you have to pull it out of like if anything i'd be like yo chill chill with him do you know what i mean and it's like for some for me to have impacted someone's life so much that they would understand this without me saying anything to them like speaks mm-hmm. volumes for me because it means that yeah. i'm living a life that is actually showing what i believe and it's like yeah i hate it and i as much as i hate actually sticking to my beliefs because yeah no for sure that's like that's like ali for me because ali didn't know about any of this yeah. stuff but now she does. Now she is very trying to explain all these things. So it, it definitely went over her head. But yeah, but she's very well versed and she she knows her stuff. So that's why that just shows uh, you the people who, who don't who don't reach out don't want to. I'm sorry, because yeah. it, because I'm sorry. Ali and Ali and Jimmy were very much like blank canvases to all of this race stuff. And they chose to come into our lives and they chose to stick by us through these things. There's yeah. other people who have been there and have chose to look away and have chose to be confused. It's going to pretend it's not happening. You know what I mean? And you've, you've gone and you haven't sought information. You want, yeah. you, want, you want to be educated on this without your feelings being hurt. Like, sorry, boo-boo, that's not going to happen. Like, I will let you know that you are part of the problem because you are. And that doesn't, yeah. mean that you are, it doesn't mean that you are the cause of it. It just means that the society and the upbringings that you have has played a part in me feeling this way. And it's like, if you can't understand that, then we're not friends. And, yeah. then that's, and that's the end of it. That's, I hate this word, but period. That's it. That's period. <laughs> that's it. That's, it's, it's over. What else am I meant to do? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a hard way to think about life, but that's, that's how we have to deal right now. And it's like, I thought Orinze was so... It doesn't serve you, man. Okay. And I thought Rinzi was so crazy when when Trump got, got elected, he cut off every white girl and person that he hung out. I remember with. that, yeah. And I said, Rinzi, you're moving mad. He goes, no. And he goes, that's he goes. They, he literally said, he's like, they cannot be my friend. And I didn't understand it. And now, hundred percent, he's still crazy, but that was not a crazy move. <laughs> <laughs> but it's mad. I'm I'm glad that you're good. I've I've worried a lot about you during this time. And yeah. Well, you're you're in a good space. That's Yeah, get the space. Black Lives Matter. Yes, sometimes.